Hi, I'm John Mather, Nobel Prize laureate and senior scientist for the James Webb Space Telescope at NASA, and you're listening to The Soul of Life. When you hear the music that 23-year-old Seattle musician Alex Shaw is writing and performing, you know he's headed somewhere big. But whether he knows that yet is a different story. I'm basically broke. I'm at my parents' house right now. You have to find your audience, and <laughs> I don't think I've found I don't think I found my thing necessarily yet. Shaw had already dedicated himself to being a full-time musician and had cut three albums by the time the pandemic had shut down gigs and performances that were just starting to give him a following in the Northwest. I ask him how he's using this downtime when stages are dark. For me, I just figured out how to enjoy music again in a new way. So there was definitely a positive side to it, like um, getting caught up in that hustle every day and what the next gig is kind of, you don't get the time to just appreciate playing music with your friends who are the people in your band. When you hear the way Shaw's sound develops and changes through his discography, you can hear an artist experimenting to find his sound. His incredible musical talent and knack for songwriting hooks is obvious, but Shaw says he feels the pressure to write the perfect song that will open doors for his musical career. I could do this and that makes me excited, but then it, you know, uh, that's probably not going to be accepted by a general audience. But then why do I think I'm aiming for a general audience anyway, like in the first place? It's like, and when I have followed that intuition, uh, it's always had a better response. And I've noticed like, there's a smaller number of people that feel it, but when they do, they just get so excited about it. To my surprise, Alec just grabbed a guitar hanging on the wall and performed an unplugged version of I'll Just Let You Down, a new song from his upcoming album. But you slowly pull my heart to see. We talk about Alec's most popular songs and the inspiration for them. The feeling of falling in love or the infatuation of, you know, that chemical, <laughs> that drug, you know, of like meeting someone who like makes you feel really good. And Alex shares about his growing as a person who's letting go of the thrill of finding happiness in new relationships. I love this person enough that I'm willing to sacrifice. Around the age 23, 24, she's 24, like you kind of even out your brains, I, I think. Shaw has been in a relationship with Zan Fiskum, his bandmate and singer-songwriter who found herself recently working with John Legend on the television series The Voice. I ask Alec about how he's dealt with anxiety and stage fright for many years. The church that I would play guitar at for 10 years they were very big on like learning the parts and learning the stuff. And that was a huge tool for me. And I discovered Alec was holding out on just how well he's putting his pandemic downtime to use when he shared this exciting news. Basically, I went on this show called American Idol this year. I know I can't talk about the episodes, but the first, when I walked out there in front of the judges, going out in front of three celebrities and playing a song with no mics on me, just playing a song with an acoustic guitar. It was like I was playing my first show. I was so nervous. Welcome to the Soul of Life. I'm Keith Miller, and this is Season 2, Episode 7, Rising Star, The Music of Alex Shaw. Alone on the sea bay, planks are falling from the shipwreck up ahead. 
I'm Keith Miller, and my podcast, The Soul of Life, is here to help you remember who you really are. I'll bring together people who have gotten off their treadmills. I'll have conversations with athletes, musicians, doctors, scientists, healers, and entrepreneurs to discuss the fascinating edges of our knowledge in neurobiology, psychology, and physics. This is The Soul of Life. Please take the time now to subscribe to The Soul of Life wherever you're listening. Give it a thumbs up or write a positive review. That's the best way to make sure you don't miss out on these amazing episodes planned for season two. Alex Shaw grew up in a musical home and began songwriting at a very young age. In the fourth grade, he started playing both guitar and piano, using them to craft hundreds of short songs. From there, he honed his skills playing in church and in bands with friends, all while dreaming someday of performing big grand shows. Thinking Place is Shaw's 2017 album, a soulful indie pop sound filled with warm brass and playful vocal techniques with soaring melodies that evoke traditional Appalachian folk songs with a driving rhythm. Shaw's newest single, Nobody But You, is being released this month. Alex Shaw, welcome to The Soul of Life. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. It's, it's exciting to speak with you. I was Lucky to get to know you recently after I spoke with a guy named Gary Mueller on a recent episode. He's a Seattle recording producer. And uh, I think one thing led to another. I was just exploring music from his website, the people he records with, and you know, found some new music. And you were on this page. And I was really blown away by your sound and your range in your songwriting and also just kind of the depth of your, your songs, the meaningful kind of uh, reflectivity, I guess, or reflectiveness of your songwriting. And it was really taken in. So I'm really excited to speak with you about kind of your journey, who you are, and kind of where you're going. It's I feel lucky to speak with you today. So. I feel lucky to speak with you. I don't get to speak to many people right now. Yeah. How is that going <laughs> for you? I mean, this has got to be rough on on performers. Um, oh, definitely. I mean, it's it's kind of the same story for everyone, unless you've already established a big enough following that you can support yourself on, you know, uh online sales, selling vinyls, all those things, doing live streams where people pay to join in and all that stuff. But for uh, people like me who are just starting to get traction right before everything shut down, it's kind of um, it's kind of a time to write and record and look for you know inspiration and other things for a while. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it definitely started out hard. It started out, it was kind of like this wave of inspiration right at the beginning because you're all of a sudden don't have anything on your schedule. And I think that's inspiring for artists, right? Like free time. I don't have to do anything. I can just like be creative and have all, use all my energy for that. And so that's what I did, you know? Um, and then a lot of people were asking me to record their music, uh, produce their records and stuff. That lasted until the winter. Uh, But at that time, I guess for me, I just figured out how to enjoy music again in a new way. So there was definitely a positive side to it. Like um, getting caught up in that hustle every day and what the next gig is kind of, you don't get the time to just appreciate playing music with your friends who are the people in your band and all that sort of, you know. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it was actually ended up being really special, I think, in a way, even though I'm basically broke. I'm at my parents' house right now. Um, well, that's a big deal. I mean, I know, I know it's like, you know, it's, it's sort of something we say offhand a little bit, but I bet that's a big deal. Like, how, you know, finding a way to stay on your feet and, and keep moving forward with this vision for what you want to do as a professional. How did you start and when did you decide to be a professional musician? How old are you? And maybe tell us that story. Um, I was a freshman when I decided, like a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd been doing music, you know, for fun for before that. And I probably, that was about when I started writing songs, like legit songs rather than, you know, before that I had a little recorder and I would just sit at the piano and just come up with silly songs and like little bits and things all the time. Uh, but it wasn't until I was a freshman and I decided, oh, okay, so, you know, I'm going to, my plan was to become like a famous musician by the end of high school, which didn't work out. But, um, you know, I got an early start and I, and ever since then, I, that's all I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, I, I basically started writing music, found a trombone player on Craigslist because I wanted trombone in my band. And piece together just, you know, trying to ask people if they knew musicians. And I put a band together um, and then did my first show at Numos, actually, in Seattle uh, for the ch- uh, children Seattle Children's Hospital Benefit Show. Um, and then it was downhill from there. <laughs> There's a, yeah, no, that was an interesting first show because that was like... Um, kind of a big one to do for your first show because that's like a 600 cap room, I think. Sure, sure. It's for a little festival. Um, wow. And and how, yeah, how, it, how supportive are your parents in in the process of like being an artist and like, or, you know, I spoke with someone, you know, it was, it was the producer I spoke with. He was like, yeah, when I got out of high school, he said, I'm like 17, 18. My dad's like, well, you got to do something to make money. So you're going to come work for me. You're going to put drywall up and do construction. Mm. And so there was that tension he felt about having to make money, having to earn a living. How, how, how are you, what kind of support do you get from your folks and other people around you? Yeah. I mean, since I started so young in high school, I think it, at first it's like, how do you take a high schooler seriously? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But after I started to prove myself, I, at first they weren't supportive. They wanted me to, you know, go to a specific college or whatever and do the normal thing. Like look for that um, path. And then, just uh just by doing it and and eventually showing them the music I was creating, they just uh I guess they thought I had enough in me to do it to make it and <laughs> um let and then started supporting me in that more and more as I kept going. And I think over the years that I just proved I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna go to college and I wasn't you know, I wasn't gonna do anything else. Yeah. So yeah. And uh so you're how many years into that? How old are you now? I'm twenty three. Twenty three. And mm-hmm. I mean, just to circle back to the sort of COVID, this pandemic whole situation, like as far as morale goes, like, I mean, you know, some people are saying like this, the end is in sight. We're seeing vaccines coming out, but other people are saying like, look, we could be seeing variants of this another year, another two years. Like, what are you finding in your, in your community and your friends as far as musicians, how they're feeling about getting ready to sort of do something else or how much pressure does it put on an artist that's recording, um, you know, wanting to record, wanting to get out there, get traction, like you said. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's there's not. I feel, it feels like there's not a lot you can do. It it kind of seems like everyone's going into this little hibernating mode mm-hmm. in a way, you know, uh, because. For me, I realized pretty quickly that a lot of your inspiration as an artist comes from playing shows and or other things, but you have to have a creative outlet to, um, I don't know. For me, it's just like I have to be able to ha- be able to play that for audiences and get that real in-person feedback to be able to create more and be like, okay, I can move on kind of thing to the next creation and uh i haven't been able to get that you know so it's kind of like do what you can i'm you know uh trying to record and trying to just keep up on my skills practice because that's something i i stopped doing once i you know you start playing enough gigs you don't practice as much because doing the thing is your practice at that point so Mm -hmm. um so you have to stay active you have to be you know practice and getting the hours in again because you weren't playing out exactly yeah and you get rusty (laughs) for sure and i've seen that in other musicians that haven't gotten into habits like they're you know you can really tell like when someone is out of practice let's dive into some of the songs and kind of like your your songs and how they sound you know your sound i guess who would you say is your audience who are you finding responds to your music i know that's a huge question but yeah you know um, well, if you're talking like demographic, I, it's t- people 20 to 30 is the biggest one. Yeah. And you're in Seattle. Uh, is that right? Yeah. So it's mostly people in Seattle. Cause I, I'm more of a fan of just like the organic growth approach where I'm, you know, playing real shows for real people. And I, it's not that I don't think it's good to try to build everything off of social media or online, it's just not fun for me and I, I just don't like it and it doesn't inspire me, you know, and as an artist, you have to be inspired. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, I think, evidence in, in my field, which is psychology um, mm. and, and, and the mind and mental health and that sort of thing that, yeah, social media is, you know, a lot of people don't think of it the way it actually is. It's a tool. And if you don't see it as a tool, it's going to start to use you. And then you're the tool. Like that, we get depressed, you know, it's, it's, Mm-hmm. And we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. So I can yeah. totally imagine as an artist, it's it's artificial in a sense. Um, you're trying to get out, you're trying to sort of create an impression and just get people to follow you as opposed to making a, a real connection with them in some way. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that makes sense. So people people that are younger are into your music. When I when I hear your your songs, and I listened to your album several times, I had a couple long drives and uh, had the oh, chance cool. to listen to all your stuff. And, you know, I was really left being very curious and wondering about where it goes next. Now, I, I hear soul. I mean, I wonder if you can tell me about sort of the kind of music where you come from, kind of what comes naturally when you sit down to play or whatever you stand to play, whatever you, you're doing. Mm. Like what comes naturally? Soul, I hear, you know, you mentioned sort of pop in your description, but I, I hear a bunch of things. I hear blues. I hear gospel. Mm-hmm. That's a good question because... Uh... It just depends, you know, it depends on the instrument I'm playing and it depends on how I'm feeling, I guess. But yeah, it, it definitely has like what comes out naturally would definitely probably stem from that like gospel background and, um, a lot of sixties influence too. Mm -hmm. Uh, just the stuff I've noticed that the music you listen to when you're growing up is the music that gets ingrained in your brain. 
So it's important to listen to good music in that period because it's like, you're never really going to get away from that. I think. And I hear it in other artists too, you know, like you, they, they want to change, but it's always part of them when they're, when they're like reproducing those inspiration, those uh, influences, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I, I can hear that the '60s influence in your song "Kel." Um, you know, it's oh really, yeah, like definitely. Beatles and that sort of all over the place. But you know, I, mm-hmm. I I don't think any artist ever wants to talk about like who other artists. I mean, you know, like it's interesting to speculate. But like, I'm hearing what's interesting to me is like I'm hearing you, and like obviously I'm getting to know you and and getting to know what that is. And as you develop too, I'm sure you're getting to know what you're capable of and and where you want to go. Um, uh, yeah. you know, I grew up in a church, kind of in church singing. That's where I learned to sing, right? And that's where, and I didn't play a guitar at the time, but that's, you know, that's sort of where I got the inspiration to sort of follow music. And um, yeah, so yeah, I, I wonder like kind of where you're going in your songwriting as far as that goes. I know in the, in the gospel music world, there's, there can be this sort of divide and a polarization over like what they would consider clean music. You know, in my, you know, I've got, young kids who are 50, you know, early teenagers. And a few years ago, we went to an Andy Grammer concert. And I, you know, I really, as a parent, I really appreciated him because he was, he was delivering a message of kind of, it was clear that who he was, was someone that was hopeful and optimistic. It's not that he was, Mm. it's not that he's like, I don't think concealing some darker side. It's just that he, he, he wants to, to lift people up. And that was clear in his, in his sort of concert and his presentation. Mm. I wonder, do you, do you hear people, do you hear feedback from people about, you know, you should push, push your edge a little bit more, get a little more risque or, you know, I don't know, sensual or something, or do you, do you know what I mean about that polarity sometimes in the, in the church world or in church music, there's definitely that, that pull between. Yeah. Kind of an unspoken thing, but yeah. Um, I definitely used to see that more than I do now. I think, um, I think there's no rules anymore. If there's a time to just do whatever you want, it's definitely now, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like individuality is at all time high. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's hard to get any message out there. There's so much noise. There's so much content. I guess it's, I guess people say we live in the information age because everyone's producing something. Um, yeah, I guess my thought on that is you just have to find, which I don't think I've found, but um, you have to find a niche kind of thing because the it is so oversaturated with mm-hmm. different music and people are so wild and, and edgy and over the top that you're not going to necessarily cut through by doing that as much as you would have yeah. before. Uh, so you do have to find your audience. And <laughs> I don't think I've found, I don't think I've found my thing necessarily yet. Uh, I think my new, al- my new project and the song that will be released with this podcast, Nobody But You, that will, uh, that project in general, not necessarily that song, I think I've focused in a lot on my sound. So that's exciting. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot at your fingertips. Like it sounds like you you can go in a lot of different directions musically, um, comfortably. Yeah. And, yeah, that's true. And it makes it so hard because you can't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, it's interesting. You know, I, I had some, I've had some experience just in, as far as writing and publishing and books and what all the publishers on the business side, because I want to talk to you about the business side of music or what your mm. impressions have been and what it's been like, you know, uh, trying to succeed in that world. But like in, in uh, book publishing, you know, you get a lot of advice from people about really niching down and narrowing down 
and really being this and making it crystal clear who your audience is. Then by the time you write that book or you write that song, it's like, it's like a cookie cutter or it's like, it's something that wasn't, Mm. wasn't really necessarily moving you. Cause I, at least for Mm. me, what moves me is something that's a little more, a little harder to describe a little, um, you know, a little more messy and that sort of thing. And it may go here and it may go there. Obviously people want to know what they're getting when they get a book. Um, mm. but it depends on what kind of book. It depends on what kind of song, I suppose. No, that's an interesting thought. Cause, uh, I think that speaks to just like staying true to the things that are inspiring you in your writing and not, you know, trying to overthink things and not trying to think what is everyone else going to like, right? you know, right. cause I still get caught up thinking about that. Like, Oh, I could do this and that makes me excited. But then it, you know, uh, that's probably not going to be accepted by a general audience. Mm-hmm. But then why do I think I'm aiming for a general audience anyway? Like in the first place, it's like, and when I have followed that intuition, uh, it's always had a better response. And I've noticed like, there's a smaller number of people that feel it, but when they do, they just get so excited about it. And that's what creates like these cult, artists, you know, cause they have this really specific thing and a bunch of people fall in love with that cause it's so true. And so like inspired, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, no, I, I know what you're talking about. And, um, I think there's something to be said, you know, I, I don't know if, how much you knew about my story, but I started this podcast just to, to, to do exactly this, to actually kind of branch out and get outside the four walls of kind of the, the normal routines after realizing I was struggling with depression and I'm somebody that uh, kind of knows what depression should look like. And I, I didn't recognize it myself for quite a while until mm. my body started literally like shutting down and doing weird, mm. weird things. And so, so I was like, oh yeah, okay, so that's depression. So, so what's it going to take to sort of break your own or my own rules, right? Like do things that are swimming upstream, maybe harder, maybe, um, mm. maybe you don't see any immediate benefit financially from it, but it, it gives you joy and it gives you delight. So that's what I've been following. That's what brings me here to you anyway. And, cool. you know, I, I figured, uh, when I heard you, it, it, it seemed like I was, I was connecting to someone who, uh, through your music, maybe on a similar journey. That's true. I mean, that's, I, that's a noble pursuit in my mind is just becoming, uh, basically becoming a better person by putting yourself in a place you're not comfortable with to grow. Right. I right. mean, that's like a, uh, I guess a pretty basic concept that a lot of people know, but maybe they don't know how to do that or, what that next step is. Right. Right. Yeah. Easier um, said than done. Cause we, we tend to yeah. go towards things that we're not afraid of and what we're comfortable with. And like you said, practice and rehearsal. I and mean, there's a place for that because you want to be able to do your, your art kind of without thinking. And that's what people, you know, can really be where it's automatic and seamless. And, but then like, then where can you break the rules after that? Like, tell me about your, your family. I, you know, I guess kind of where you come from, if you're in a relationship or, you know, where does that fit into your musical uh, life and creativity? I know if you turn on the radio, like 90% of the songs are either about breaking up or getting together, breaking up, hooking up. <laughs> How does it fit into your, your music? That's a good question because um, I feel like I've had to, in a way, shift after being in a more committed relationship. Like I, I am now in, before that, I found a lot of inspiration from just the feeling of falling in love or the infatuation of, you know, that chemical, (laughs) that drug, you know, of like meeting someone who like makes you feel really good. And you get um, me high. Yeah, exactly. 
know it's uh it's kind of an addiction in a way and i think i'm a better person for uh being with the person i'm with now um and i'm okay with sacrificing that you know what i mean like it's got to a point where i love this person enough that i'm willing to sacrifice that and um and because we have a strong relationship she does music as well Um, and we write together and we have for a long time, but we were on and off in a relationship before. And then, you know, it, it, and we were both growing in our own way, being as young as we are, you know, like I think around the age 23, 24, she's 24. <laughs> like you kind of even out your brains, I, I think. <laughs> right. And you're it not, helps. you know, <laughs> yeah, it helps a lot. And, and, you know, just like, uh, learning to think on your own apart from what your family thinks or what your church thinks or what, you know, whatever that is that you grew up with. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of songs, like you said, about, about the infatuation, about what we call romantic love. Um, maybe fewer songs about the struggles. I mean, unless you're listening to country music, then it's, I suppose, a lot about the heartbreaks and the betrayals and the cheating and lying and all that stuff. But um, yeah, no, I th- there's a guy named David Wilcox. I don't know if you know any of his music. Um, but it's it's he's an interesting uh, musician. He's been around a long time, um, and he's someone that he's got a couple songs about marriage. You just don't hear them on the radio, of course. You know these are these are deep cuts. But you know songs about commitment, songs about like I think it's called "Start with the Ending." It's like sort of start with the ending. There's no pretending. You know, get it out of the way. You know, because the truth is that you know at a certain point we're not going to like each other. So let's just start mm-hmm. with that. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then work backwards to like, what do we want to make this work into? But, uh, you know, yeah. maybe it's harder to be poetic about that stuff. Like, it is harder to be poetic about that stuff. And like, uh, at least for me, I, you know, and because um, it's not, it's not a feeling that you know, I like pretty music and it doesn't inspire pretty music. So, you know, I lean towards the philosophical side, I think sometimes when I, when I'm not, feeling those feelings do you, do you have a favorite song and and since i since you're in such an amazing setup there in your studio i wonder you know if you wanted to uh, get some sound going yeah um i'm i think on the new album my favorite song to play is this one called uh, i'll just let you down and you might have seen it if you saw i like went around my youtube um it's it's one i wrote last year but it's kind of just one of those songs that comes out as you're playing it, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and you write very in an authentic way. You're not thinking about it. You're just kind of feeling like, you know, I was thinking, 
oh, I'll just let this person down. And, um, and I sang it like I, I thought it in a melody and I was like, Oh, and then I just kept, and I went downstairs and finished the song and in 20 minutes. And that's like something I'm proud of because that is, um, that's like a skill you have to work up to being able to, being able to put yourself in a, uh, creative space where songs can spill out like that without be getting in the way because of maybe it's like a technical playing ability or maybe it's like insecurity or whatever it is, you know? So that's a skill is like managing your emotions while recording, managing your thoughts and stuff. So yeah, I, that's why I'm proud of it. And, and I think a lot of people connect with it and because it was such a pure kind of yeah. expression. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I can play that for you because that's already out. If you want me yeah, to, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, not that I'm warmed up or anything. No, sorry, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you record everything yourself and or do you go into a studio and pay pay money? Um both. Yeah. Yeah. It just depends on the thing, you know, like um if I'm recording keyboards, if I turned the computer around, you would see all these keyboards, like synths and things, and then you see these behind me. Lots of guitars. I can do a lot of vocals too from home because I have a nice vocal mic and um you know, at least if the song isn't something that needs room mics on those particular instruments, then um, I like to just do as much as I can from home because I have all the time. And I don't have to be paying for studio time, <laughs> you know. Um, do it in your pajamas or, you know, while you're eating lunch. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, this, this the style of recording I like the most is expensive because I love a very like um, a mixture of very like, you know, textural sounds with very organic room driven sounds that feel like you could be standing in front of it or whatever. And I'm getting more and more into that. So it's just going to be more expensive as I go <laughs> <laughs> bigger and bigger. <laughs> so yeah, both things. And and sometimes I record for my music. I let a producer take over. Um, Andy Park, I don't know if you read about him, but he's a producer here in Seattle. That's really great. And he, um, yeah, he, he, he usually records my music. And then when I'm working with other folks, I'll, I'll be producing them in a studio or like I said, vocals and keyboards at my house. So yeah. 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 Piece it together. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, uh, this one's, I'll just let you down. let you down No, I'll just let you down I might as well stay at home I know I'll just let you down Won't you let me stick around Won't you let me stay
cotton in her eyes The centerfold of life Holding her tears like rain She's crushing like a needle Across my window pane As she silently pulls my heart Just let you down No, I'll just let you down Sure as the night follows day I know I'll just let you down Won't you let me stick around Won't you let me stay Won't There's poison in the meat And I know it when I eat But my hunger stays the same I'm cursed and I am beached And you are rescue out of reach But you slowly pull my heart To see That's incredible. That's I'll just let Thank you down. You. That's uh, Alex Shaw. Man, then that's amazing. I appreciate that, and I can hear um, you know, the simplicity of your your writing and the like. I think you were talking about space, like mm. space in your recording studio, having space to to make the sound come out. But it feels mm-hmm. like there's space in that song for so much. I can hear it in the intimacy of this sort of acoustic. Does it sound like that on the album? It, so it start. That's the base of the song. Is just that acoustic 
performance similar to that. And then there's strings and there's pedal steel and there's some brushes, you know, drums mm. and, uh, and bass. Uh, and yeah. So there is a, there's a bit of that sort of flowy swimming instrumentation mm. around it. Layering and yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's a great song. Amazing. Thank you for sharing Thank you. that. Yeah, um, definitely. Fool's Gold is one of my favorites and it's one that you've produced a video for, which I'll encourage people to see and go check out. Um, <laughs> What? Tell me about that song. Tell me about Fool's Goal. Broken, unsteady. I'm as far as our memories. As far as I can be. I started it and finished it in a time period when I just decided. Actually, it kind of goes along with the theme we were talking about earlier, but like shedding off those uh the expectations um and kind of like the ideas and beliefs that you grow up uh getting you know placed on you and and guilt as well for maybe questioning those ideas that's what the song's about you know it's just like it's just deciding to not believe anything so i can kind of decide for myself what i want to believe in Was I born in superstition? Yeah. Living lean to find the truth. Brought to ignition as soon as I see. But I know it's where I'm lost. In this never ending sea. It came in the perfect religious feeling form, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right. Now it has a spiritual sort of vibe to it, but sort of solely bluesy, you know. Another song that pulls me in. There's so many great songs to talk about. Um, who are some of the musicians and you know professionals in the in the music business, or you know people who you collaborate with on some of your work? I think the most impactful person so far in my music was probably Andy Park. I just learned so much. The first record I did with him, I felt like I gained twice as much knowledge as I had before about creating music and especially the recording side, but even on just the creative process and all of that, I think he, because he just has so much experience and has worked on so many good records and, um, yeah, really, really helped. So Andy Park, um, my dad, because he, he was a worship pastor growing up and then, um, played in a Beatles tribute band. 
like you said, you heard some Beatles influence. Like that was what, that was the majority of what we heard growing up. Um, And he bought me my first guitar. Alone in My Bed has, I think, a fascinating production style. Tell me about what we're listening to when we hear the introduction, the acapella. That I'm jaded by the night. Yeah, that's uh, that's what's called a harmonizer, which is similar to a vocoder, but it's uh, it's it's more of a, a newer development as far as being able to play it live. So I actually wrote the song on that. Um, playing the harmonies on the keyboard and then just singing and that's how I wrote the song and that was after I had recorded my album you can set an auto-tune to a single pitch the key that you want to play in and then you're using it that as the oscillator for the rack unit to split those into harmonies based on the keyboard that is going MIDI into the harmonizer so I set a couple more tuning hard pitch tuning uh, plugins to play the first and the fifth. So it gives it this kind of pedal note, which is very Celtic. Yeah, it's a great, it's a re, it is a really cool sound. Please take the time now to subscribe to the soul of life, wherever you're listening, give it a thumbs up or write a positive review. That's the best way to make sure you don't miss out on these amazing episodes planned for season two. What do you think about the music side of business? I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about being broke and you mentioned it's, it's mm-hmm. tough to get traction right now, but, um, you know, would would you accept a, a label offer if if somebody was interested in Alex Shaw or um, do you want? It's the right one, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's your what's your opinion on the state of kind of how things are with artists and labels and that sort of thing? It's hard to say because things are changing so quickly all the time. Um, it's kind of a crapshoot, in my opinion. You know, you uh, you try to make it independently, and maybe a label sees you being served on a silver platter and wants some money from that. And then they'll, they'll give you resources if they, you know, if they see an opportunity. Um, so, I mean, I think ideally it's best to stay independent if you can build a team on your own and one that's really good. Um, I don't know if I, I, I think I would rather work with a label personally because I'm not, I I don't know. I I just don't I just get very overwhelmed by the business side of things. Mm-hmm. PR and it's been great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it just makes my head spin, you know. So um I have a manager now, thankfully, that helps with a lot of that. Um but you know, you have to build a team, you have to you have to get a publicist and you have to get, you know, a a uh what do you call it, publishing company. Mm-hmm. Um, really different headspace than cre- creativity and performing, right? It's it's really it's just a yeah. different brain you have to use. Yeah, it is, and I would, um, I'd definitely rather just some people enjoy that stuff, you know, and I'd just definitely rather n- not even pretend it doesn't exist <laughs> if I could. Yeah, you can't do that, but um, um, but to some degree, all my opportunities have come from me just doing my art and letting other people take, take that role, you know, if they see an opportunity. So 
I'm going to keep doing that and just try to make my art better and better because people say, you know, oh, you got to focus on the this side too. But I think a lot of people miss and from examples of other artists who have come out in the past, if they're really just making something special, you know, people want that. Yeah. So. Yep. I, I think that's a, that's a formula that will probably take you where you need to go. Um, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And you've got time. I mean, it's not, it's not as if you, if you were like 50 years old, I would say to you like, well, you don't have time, but like, <laughs> You know, like a lot of us, a lot of the people I talk to are dealing with, you know, we all deal with anxiety in some sense. And usually anxiety is about like planning the what ifs and the, mm-hmm. and the what should I do. And usually it makes us feel like we don't have time. We don't have space. And then of course, then we're not acting in the ways that come naturally and easy and, and light and, mm-hmm. and attractive to others. And so, you know, You're not playing to your strengths. Yeah. Yeah. So like. Getting getting anxiety to kind of step back and move from your spirit or move move from your, like you said, your strengths, kind of your core where it's easiest. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's funny. Even though I I had a lot of anxiety at certain points, and I'm just thinking, oh man, what am I going to do? There's no music. It was also that this period has been the time with the least anxiety because I don't have to be thinking about that stuff. <laughs> right, right. I know. And the mind has a way of finding something to be anxious about no matter what the circumstances yeah. are. So it's Yeah, isn't that, yeah. Yeah. Recognizing that. <laughs> it is too bad. Well, it, that sort of reminds me, I guess I would, I, I guess I would ask you about your, you know, in, in my work, I'm often in the healing profession. We're, we're helping people, mm-hmm. at least in my work. I'm a social worker and I've also trained in trauma work. And so we're often using the body. And I actually spoke recently to um, my last guest was NPR's voice coach, Jessica Hansen. She's the woman who does the funding credits for NPR, National Public Radio. So she's mm-hmm. a voice coach. So we were talking about the voice. Of course, the voice is in your body, like, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But like we... You know, just like any part of our body, including our mind, we try to use it and we're trying to get something done. Like our hands, we're always using our hands to open something or get something or move something. And as opposed to, to, to being embodied, which is like a sensory experience. But yeah, I definitely experienced a lot of performance anxiety. When I first started performing like shows, I was so stage fright. I would, I was just like, you know, petrified almost. And um, would say really awkward things, just trying to like say something, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like it just wouldn't come out right. You know, yeah. it's so yeah. bad, stiff feeling. And um, I mean, we did some decent performances at that time, but like not, it, you know, the potential was <clears throat> wasn't uh, reached um, because of that. And it took so many shows and so long, and I wasn't starting to get over that stage fright until basically the last year um you know fully it's like every time i would have nerves and i think i'll i always will because i'm very uh critical of myself and self-aware you know to a point that um that helps me if i can learn how to deal with that with the the um with the performance anxiety but it was really interesting because after not doing performances for a while since march I, so I can, I think I can talk about this. I don't know. I, (laughs) but basically I went on this show called American Idol this year. Um, and I mean, yeah, I know I can't talk about the episodes, but the first, when I walked out there in front of the judges, 
it felt like it was my first show again because I'm used to going out on a stage and playing for an audience and having lights on your face, you know? And it's like this specific environment that I learned to create a familiarity with, you know? And it wasn't necessarily just talking in front of people. It was like this environment. So going out in front of three celebrities and playing a song with no mics on me, just playing a song with an acoustic guitar is very different. And I just, it was like, I was playing my first show. I was so nervous, but Mm -hmm. yeah, that's all I can say is I I did that. I can imagine. Good for you, man. And that's exciting. That's, that's exciting. And I imagine, yeah, playing, you know, when we leave where we are, like when, you know, if, if I'm sitting here with you thinking about what you need me to say or what you, what I imagine you're thinking, then my body and my brain is doing so much more work than it has to because it's doing what I have to do to focus on me and all this imagination that's like, I can never quite control what you're thinking. And so it's yeah. like a dog chasing its tail. And that's where we get spun out into these anxiety and kind of mm-hmm. losing our focus. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, I guess focusing calming ourselves down is a selfish act in a sense. You have to really pay full attention to yourself and get where you need to go and, and trust that you're, you, you are where you need to be. Whatever's happening is happening for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. You can't control it. You can't try to control it. Can't control it. So, you know, perfectionism is one of the themes I talk to other artists about um, because obviously we want to craft and you want to create something that is yours and you're shaping it. And the creative process is all about making and forming something. But then, yeah. you know, like if that doesn't shut off, then you don't fall asleep. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't have fun. Um, mm-hmm. You can't let go of something and let it crash and let it break and then you know, see what you want to do next. Like then it's not as interesting. So um, I was going to ask you about what do you do for fun? You know, like what do you do to blow off steam and get away from the studio and get away from, you know, do you ever like not want to touch another key on the keyboard? <laughs> Sometimes I push through that because... It, it can be helpful, but then other times I, some that really works for me is just uh, hanging out with friends that aren't musicians um, because that conversation doesn't always come up naturally. And then it makes you excited about that thing again, for some reason, because then you're talking to someone that doesn't know. And there's this excitement, like the first time you learned about that thing, you know? Um, yeah. You get to share that energy. Yeah, I guess. So that goes back to like performing and why that is a, that you need an outlet, right? It's similar to that, I guess, in a way, because you get to, you have to share that to be able to like leave room to create more in a way. Space. Yeah. Maybe that's what we're going to call this episode, finding the space to create with Alex Shaw. There you go. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Um, Projects you're working on now, maybe you can give a shout out to the to the new album. It's a full album that you're releasing, and is that right? It's a large EP, so it's seven songs, or you could call it a small album. I guess seven songs is worthy of being an album these days. But um, I, I, I'm going to kind of, I think I'm going to promote it as an EP. Uh, one thing I would like to mention is I'm doing a Kickstarter right now, um, or at least during the, when this is airing, to raise money to pay for the album, all the expenses, which is crazy expensive. You know, you got the studio time, the producer, the mastering and mixing, and then the uh, um, musicians, merchandise afterwards. And for a Kickstarter, you need to buy that and give it to the people that are helping you, uh, the backers. So, yeah, it'd be, you know, if anyone wants to support um, 
you know, local musicians, people that are doing it independently, especially right now that we're not having gigs, uh, check out my Kickstarter on kickstarter.com. Yeah, well, I will absolutely support you on Kickstarter. I um, am excited to meet you, Alex, excited to hear like your music, where you've come from, getting to know who you've been, and but also excited about where you're going. I, you're going somewhere and I'm excited to, to um, be a part of that as a, as a listener, as a fan, and uh, hope a lot of people check out your, your album. Um, your two albums are Thinking Place and Uh-Oh and the OLs. And uh, your new one is called? Uh, what's it called? Quantity. I think it's going to be called Quantity. Quantity. Okay, so it's still a question mark. Is it, are you still? Yeah, it kind of deciding? is. I mean, all I have is a single right now, so got it. Um, nobody but you is the single. So, yeah, yeah. and I think it's going to be called Quantity. That's I'm pretty positive about that. I, I like it. Let's do it. Let's call it Quantity. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay healthy and uh, hope you and your family are are good through the rest of this. And uh, take care. You too. Thanks so much for having me. Won't you come set my heart on fire? Thanks for listening to The Soul of Life. This is Keith Miller. Hey, please subscribe to The Soul of Life YouTube channel and like The Soul of Life Facebook page so that you'll get updates about the next great episodes. But if something feeds your soul, touches your soul, or finds your soul, wouldn't you want to share that with others? Whoa, I mean, that's an idea. You can share the soul of life with someone. Let your light shine bright and share this thing. Come on now. I'll see you next Friday with another new episode. I think I found all the best. I found all the best of what this world is to offer.